1: Welcome into it. It is Hailvar Varsity Radio here on a Monday afternoon. Connor Clark here with you this time around. This is Hailvar Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We've got a lot to talk about today. Lots of hoops. It's the first Monday after the first weekend of the March Madness Tournament. How's your bracket looking? Because I'm sure it is far from perfect. Just like mine, so you're not alone. Lots of wrong picks, lots of upsets, lots of madness in the month of March, and it's been proven to continue uh, this tournament as well. Big news of the day for the Cornhuskers. We'll lead off with that. But before we get into any of that, my name is Connor Clark. You can reach me on Twitter at C underscore Clark underscore 27. You can tweet at me, uh, send messages if you'd like during and throughout the show to voice your opinion. Chris, he's out in Arizona right now, and to say I'm jealous is probably accurate because it's very nice there's been a threat of rain here in Lincoln for the past couple of hours. We saw some sunlight, which was nice, but then it went right back to being cloudy. It felt like Arizona yesterday in Lincoln, I will say, as I made the trip back into Lincoln from the hometown of Chicago. I raised about 30 degrees from when I left my hometown and then came back into Lincoln. I looked at my car thermometer. It was like 83. I was like, I didn't know I went to school in a tropical climate, but... Here we are at the state capital of Nebraska, and it feels great. So I'm not complaining whatsoever. So let's get in to this edition of Hale Varsity Radio. Big news of the day, Nebraska Cornhusker star Bryce McGowans. He declared for the 2022 NBA draft earlier today via Twitter, Instagram, and other social medias with the following statement. It was the greatest honor of my career thus far to play for the University of Nebraska and to suit up as a Cornhusker this past season. Thank you to Coach Hoyberg and the entire coaching staff for leading us both on and off the court all season. To my teammates who are my brothers, thank you for pushing me to be the best player I can be every day. I'm grateful I got to play alongside my brother Trey, and it's something I will always cherish. Husker Nation, you are the best fan base a player could hope for. Thank you for cheering us on every single game. To my family and friends, your support is not something I take for granted, and I would not be in this position without each and every one of you. I'm excited and ready for my journey ahead. This past year has put me in the best position possible to chase my lifelong goal of being in the league. It's a dream come true to finally be able to announce that I will be entering the 2022 draft. Bryce McGowan's winning eight Freshman of the Week awards in the Big Ten this past season. Averaged just over 16 points per game. Really the best offensive threat for the Nebraska Cornhuskers this past season. Now, obviously, not the season that Bryce envisioned having with Nebraska finishing at a, something to shake your head off. Head at is 10-23 and 23 record. Obviously not great, but Bryce had a phenomenal season and Husker Nation and the rest of us wish him the best going forward in the 2022 NBA draft according to ESPN.com, their latest mock draft. Has him going to the Oklahoma City Thunder at pick number 30. So just squeezing in that first round. A lot lower than we've seen in previous mock drafts here this year. But uh, things change, obviously, as the tournament progresses as well. Other players' draft stocks may go up as Nebraska's season has been done. And speaking of the tournament, we're through the first weekend. First round, second round play is over. We've had a lot of good action. My bracket is far from perfect. I know your bracket is far from perfect as well because there are no perfect brackets left. Nobody made it out of the first weekend alive. And if you did, I would accuse you of having a time machine. One of the bigger upsets of the tournament, Wisconsin going down yesterday to Iowa State. That was an 11 v. 3 matchup up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. In the round of 32, we've seen teams such as Richmond advance. Michigan has advanced two rounds as an 11 seed. Illinois went down to Houston yesterday. TCU almost upset the top seed, Arizona, out in the south region. And speaking of top seeds going down, Baylor gets upset by North Carolina. The Tar Heels survive the furious comeback from the Baylor Bears as they led by 25 in that game. Baylor stormed all the way back to force overtime, but UNC prevailed. In the end, and then the upset that everybody knows about, everybody's talking about in this tournament, St. Peter's, the 15 seed out of the East region, is going to the Sweet 16 by way of upsetting number two, Kentucky, and then number seven, Missouri State. Now, St. Peter's coach, and I'm blanking at his name right now, so forgive me, the last time a New Jersey school had reached the Sweet 16 was Seton Hall back in 2000, and St. Peter's coach was the point guard of that Seton Hall Pirates team back in 2000. So a little bit of a correlation there, a little bit of history repeating itself, if you will. But a really cool story there with St. Peter's. Obviously, everybody knows Doug, uh, who's number 25 on, on the Peacocks. He's been making waves all over social media. He is a star, and he is kind of a meme. I don't want to say that in a negative connotation because he's been receiving just... A lot of positive feedback, especially with his play on the court. I mean, the kid can ball. He is a certified baller. He can get a bucket whenever he wants. Um, And St. Peter's has really used him throughout this tournament run. Now let's take a quick look at the 16 teams that are remaining. Gonzaga, Arkansas, Texas Tech, Duke, North Carolina, UCLA, Purdue, St. Peter's, Miami, the U that is, Iowa State, Providence, Kansas, Nova, Michigan, Houston, and Arizona. Now, if you're like me and you had Kentucky winning the entire thing, I can sympathize with you because that just did not end well for you or I. And if you're in a bracket pool, which I am in many bracket pools, you probably find yourself towards the bottom of the standings, depending on what else you picked. Luckily for myself, a lot of my picks have just been wrong for one game. Obviously, the Kentucky one going all the way, that doesn't help. But that's just one of my one final four teams. So hopefully I can get three out of the four correct. But Gonzaga-Arkansas, that'll be a great game. Gonzaga was in a dogfight with Memphis. Their pace that they play at is just simply unbelievable. When I was watching that game against Memphis, it was a track meet. I was getting tired just sitting there watching that game. Because Gonzaga, you'd blink and they'd be on the other end of the floor. And credit to Memphis, they were battling in that game. And they went back and forth, back and forth. And Memphis finally ran into some foul trouble. They had to bench a couple of big guys, some key players. Uh, Amani Bates got hurt in that game as well, halfway through about. So that was a big turning point in that game. And Drew Timmy, 21 points in the second half. Seemed non-existent in that first 20 minutes. Just four points. He comes out, he starts the second half, eight of eight from the field. And the rest is history. If you haven't seen his post-game interview from that game, please go do that. Go listen to that uh, because it is something else. I thought it was awesome. Uh, but moving on to the next game in that West region, Texas Tech and Duke. Duke escaped Michigan State and Tom Izzo. Coach K, Tom Izzo, that's a timeless rivalry, especially in the NCAA tournament. Coach K gets revenge From that upset win that Michigan State pulled off against the Zion Williamson Blue Devils back in 2019, so Duke will face the number three seed. Texas Tech in the Sweet 16. Texas Tech was my dark horse pick to win the entire tournament before the bracket began. I still stand true with that. I think Texas Tech can beat this Duke team, but Duke showed that even when they're struggling on the defensive end, they can get you a bucket, and it's not going to matter at the end of the day. UNC UCLA that'll be a really good one a couple of blue blood programs right there UNC an eight seed not as high as they usually are but man can they score the basketball especially in this tournament they've been on fire they've been really fun to watch UCLA is really good guard play they've been really consistent honestly throughout their entire team they put a beating on St. Mary's to get to the sweet 16 Purdue and St. Peter's I'm gonna have Purdue win this I'm sorry I don't want to crush the, the hopes and dreams of Peacock fans everywhere And really, we're all Peacock fans at this point. But their run is going to come to an end at the Sweet 16. If they beat Purdue, I wouldn't be complaining because my bracket is out the window. I don't care anymore about my bracket. So I'd much rather see the upset, but I think Purdue's too good. They've looked really solid here in their first two games in this NCAA tournament. On to the other side, Arizona and Houston. Houston looked very solid against an Illinois team that is struggled here in the past couple of weeks. They escaped Chattanooga, and then Houston proved to be too much um, on the offense and defensive end, holding Illinois to just 43 points in that contest. They'll face the top seeded Arizona Wildcats, who just got out of the hands of TCU last night. That game was phenomenal, especially the ending of that game. That game was awesome. It had it all. There were clutch threes, big time and ones. It went to overtime. It looked like TCU was going to win it there for a second well, then Arizona showed us all why that they are a number one seed in this tournament. Michigan and Villanova. Michigan is a team that many thought maybe shouldn't be in the tournament with the 14 losses. They've proved everybody wrong. They are in the Sweet 16 out of the Big Ten. They currently set at 19 and 14 now after the two wins in the NCAA tournament. They face a two seed in Nova that is really experienced. And they weren't a pretty heavily fought game with Ohio State. Yesterday in the round of 32, Ohio State gave them all that they could handle. But Jay Wright is one of the best coaches in the country. And when you have Colin Gillespie, who's one of the best guards in the country, that's going to propel you far into this tournament. Colin has a ton of experience, as well as the majority of that Villanova roster. So um, that's a team to definitely look out for. They could also be a dark horse pick to make a run of this championship. Kansas and Providence. I think Kansas wins this one. Providence at one point during the season was the luckiest team, according to Kempom, which is a metric. If you don't follow college basketball super heavily, that is a metric in college basketball. So they were the luckiest team. I don't know if they still are. I would have to check on that, but they got out of the hands of Richmond and Richmond. Really, they started slow. They really couldn't come back. Providence played well in that game. South Dakota state pushed them in the first in the first round, Uh, but they will play the top seed Kansas in the sweet 16 Kansas got a push from local team Creighton Creighton down two starters in that game almost pulled it off no Kalkbrenner no Nemhard and O'Connell and company almost pulled it off the boys from Omaha hard to fault that effort that they put on in the second round of the Midwest region in the final game is Iowa State and Miami I I like I like Iowa State here I think Iowa State's looked really good. I was fortunate enough to see them in person in the round of 64 against LSU. Once I saw their game and the Wisconsin's game after that, I said to myself, well, Iowa State has a legitimate chance to beat Wisconsin here. And then you saw Chucky Hepburn go down, which nobody wants to see, especially if you are from the Cornhusker State or the city of Omaha. But he goes down, and that's really a big game changer because I know Chucky's only a freshman, but, man, has he been valuable To this Wisconsin Badger team. And he went down. Johnny Davis really couldn't get it going. Brad Davison had a tough day. Tyler Wall has been struggling as well. And the Cyclones moving on to the Sweet 16. Going from the worst team in Power 5 basketball during the COVID season. Now a Sweet 16 team. Miami, they've been playing well. Led by the guard play of Charlie Moore. But I don't think they will have enough magic left in them to take down Iowa State. I could come back here next week and be completely wrong, just like last week. So, (laughs) nothing new there when it comes to the brackets. Later on in the episode, we've got Charlie McBride at 5.05 to kick off Hour 2. The black shirt legend of a defensive coordinator. He's got a bunch of wisdom to spread as spring ball. And the spring game is coming up here in just a couple of weeks. So, that will be something to look forward to, especially... For Husker Nation, Uh, more basketball news as we roll on this week. Obviously, Chris Schmidt, he is out in Arizona. Elijah Herbal cannot be in today. He is back home dealing with some sickness, so we hope Elijah feels better uh, as well. Once again, Bryce McGowan's going to the NBA draft. He is projected to go 30th overall in the first round of the NBA draft to the Oklahoma City Thunder. A couple of interesting names going around in that NBA draft. Uh, a couple of Big Ten names in that top five region. Jaden Ivey, I believe, was the fourth overall pick. Also to the Oklahoma City Thunder, who is uh, the they, – they have two picks in that first round, so that's a name to look out for. Johnny Davis was spotted in the top ten as well to the New Orleans Pelicans. So a couple of uh, Big Ten names to look out for. Jabari Smith still projected to go second overall. Chet Holmgren first overall to the Houston Rockets, as he's been really projected to go number one overall ever since he came out of high school, which is absolutely absurd, but he's earned it. Um, A name I'm really curious to see what happens after his collegiate career and as a teammate of Chet Holmgren is Drew Timmy. I know I just talked about him a couple moments ago about his performance against Memphis, but when that dude turns it on, man, he turns it on, and it'll be interesting to see where he falls, whether that's in the NBA, in the G League, or overseas, wherever that guy goes I think he will have success. And he just seems like, at least to me, as an outsider, not a Gonzaga fan, it seems to me like he's a pretty likable guy. So that's something that's going for the Gonzaga Bulldogs as well. Andrew Timmy as an individual. Once again, Charlie McBride coming up at 5.05. Connor Clark here with you, taking you through the ride of Hale Varsity Radio. We'll have some rewind segments as well. Jeremiah Searles will be coming up. In hour two as well, the former Husker offensive lineman. He's made a couple of stops in the NFL, including Buffalo and the Vikings. As many as you want. He played about six years in the NFL, if I'm not mistaken. And he played about (laughs) on six different teams. But Jeremiah Searles, always great to have him on Hale Varsity Radio. Great guy to have on as well. Brings a lot of uh, Husker spirit. If you haven't seen it yet, Bussin' with the Boys was back in Lincoln as well, just right before the spring break happened for UNL students. Uh, and now Nebraska-Michigan has been dubbed the bus and bowl. The battle for the bus between Nebraska and Michigan. We'll step aside for just a moment. This is Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
2: Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio. And I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio show of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe, promo code GBR.
0: And we're back. Fellas, Think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
1: Yes, that's awesome. Back here on Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. It's segment two of our one. Connor Clark here with you, bringing you through the two hours of Hale Varsity Radio today. Chris Schmidt out in Arizona enjoying himself in the hot weather. Meanwhile, it's cloudy. Not too bad temperature-wise, though, in the Star City. Let's dive into some Nebraska baseball. Now, this is a team that had high expectations. Heading into the season after the Big Ten Championship last season, a 30-plus win year, off to an 8-11 start and losing two straight uh, after the win streak that they put together, which was a four-game win streak between the Omaha Mavericks and New Mexico State, and the one against Texas A&M Corpus Christi, but then Nebraska dropping the last two against Texas A&M Corpus Christi, losing on Saturday, March eight or March nineteenth, rather, four to one, and then yesterday, twenty-one to four, and that is about as lopsided as you could get here in baseball. We could hear from a couple of players and coaches from this team and <laughs> everything that was published and all the post game pressers were extremely short but one that was a little bit longer at least comparative to the other interviews that happened yesterday was Camp Chick who's a team captain let's hear from him about what he had to say about the 21 to 4 loss to Texas A&M Corpus Christi as
3: a captain how surprised were you how did
4: uh, yeah, this, this was a bad one. Um, probably one of the most embarrassing ones I've been a part of. Uh, nothing went our way. We didn't help ourselves out when we needed to the most. Uh, we're making the plays, getting the hits. Uh, we had runners on, couldn't get them in. Um, anything that went wrong did go wrong for us. And, um, as a captain, you kind of just got to go out there and lead by example. and But um, all of us, top to bottom, we just got to do a lot better than that because that was just... not at all i mean we've been at the top of our game for the last week um everything's clicking playing as a team um 1 through doing their job pitches has doing great and then all of a sudden I get, it's baseball but still there's got to be a, a fine line where you kind of just shut it down and make it stop there and we just never did that as a team was this a carryover from yesterday in any way do you think uh i don't think so i mean we came back out you know mad because you never want to live on your home turf um and then just like today's championship fun want to go win a series and, you know, get that first one of the year, but just came out, man, you know, we came out with a lot of intent and energy in the pregame, but just came out flat during the game. Did you kind of reset the exact pass maybe a midweek, but I think the play starts, and what's the... You guys over the next few days? Uh, yeah, it's definitely a gut check. Um, come down from the top down with the captains. You know, we, we gotta look at something and we gotta realize what we're doing right and wrong. And, you know, be able to carry that over to the other team and uh, help these young guys out because you know we need every single person to the out Just make sure everyone's ready. Um, and start fresh. Good thing about baseball, we got another game. We got 35 more games, so one game isn't gonna define us, but. Um, the hard one as well. Was this a, an attitude thing, an approach thing? Uh, I don't know. What goes this this function what do you kind of Everything. Uh, attitude for sure. We weren't tough at all. We weren't willing to do what do we need to do in the box. Two strikes, weren't fighting very well. Um a couple of balls up, but a couple's not gonna be done. You gotta put the ball and play consistently. And you know, we get runners on, we gotta be able to move up Defensively we gotta be able to, you know, if we make an error, stop there,
1: don't make another one, but we just didn't do that today. That's Cam Chick after the 21-4 to loss that the Huskers suffered on Sunday to Texas A&M Corpus Christi. His postgame presser was about two and a half minutes. Coach Bolt, on the other hand, didn't really want to sit too long and talk about this one, was not a very happy manager. After the 21-4 to loss, let's hear from head coach Will Bolt. Where do you begin?
5: Yeah, it was. Uh, we got dominated in every area today see this coming? No, End-all. no. I mean, was it the kind of reset It's all mindset. That's all it is. I mean, we were chasing nine runs before the game even started. Obviously, was on short rest. We were short on the pen today, but it's, it comes down to mindset and finding a way to, to move the line offensively. Was that carried over from yesterday? Apparently, yeah. McCarvel and his basements give us what you can give us? Yeah, I mean we you know, Shea gave us a great start on short rest yesterday and uh, McCarvel obviously you know, was not fool anybody from the big go after a outing earlier this week they were all over him and we just didn't really have anybody, you know, we knew we were stretched thin, so we just couldn't go to the pen super early today or we're going to run out of pitchers so kind of the credit to Christi. I and mean, they, they dominated us in every area
3: In your career, is
5: there, can you think of any comparable no, moments of this? Nope <laughs> yeah, and you've seen us play infield defense this entire year. We're trying to find some guys that want to play this organization and say, um, you know Yeah, we're just trying to find the right combination.
3: What's the I guess what what's the response for this team? Is it to give them some time? Is it to kick their butts in practice? What?
5: We're going to hold up each other to the highest standard possible.
3: So that, that's what we'll always do, no matter whether we got
5: an eight game winning streak, we lose by one. Doesn't matter.
1: So there's Coach Wilt Bolt after the 21 4 loss to Texas AM Corpus Christi. Very short on his answers, and obviously you can hear the frustration in his voice after the lopsided loss to. AM and m Corpus Christi, just to take a quick look at the upcoming schedule for the Huskers, they have four more games in the homestand, one on Wednesday at 6.35 p.m. against South Dakota State, that's at Haymarket Park, and then a three-game series against Michigan to open a Big Ten play, that is also at Haymarket Park. Go on the road to Creighton for a one-game uh, little matchup there between Omaha and Lincoln, So if we go to Creighton, play at Charles Schwab Field, I believe it is renamed to, not TD Ameritrade Park anymore. Um, Then they will travel to Ohio State, back to Omaha to take on the Mavericks of UNO, and then back at home for a series against Rutgers, one game against Creighton, and then a four-game series against BYU, and then another game against North Dakota State. Um, So lots of opportunities for this Nebraska baseball team. They just got to go out and seize it. Now, I know that there were a lot of big losses that this team suffered throughout the offseason. Spencer Schwallenbach, Cade Povich, Jackson Hallmark. I mean, Jackson Hallmark, he didn't get drafted, but he was signed to the Houston Astros. And he was a guy that gave you a lot on the diamond, in the dugout. And just from an energy standpoint, he gave you a lot. Now, we all know the talent that Spencer Schwellenbach possesses, especially at the shortstop position and in a closer role as well. He was throwing heat. And that was a big reason why Nebraska gets so much success because you get a lead going into the really the last three innings of the game, seven, eight, nine. You could throw Schwellenbach on the mound. <clears throat> And he could get you three solid innings, and boom. It's it's essentially over once he touches that rubber. And then Cade Povich, who was the Friday starter for last year's team, he had a phenomenal season. Now he's with the Twins. So those are big losses, and I know you just can't fill the shoes of those guys. But you have to at least try and find an answer. Now I know there's been some pitching shakeups, Kyle Perry, Suffered a a really serious injury, so our thoughts go out with Kyle Perry. We don't know how he is going to be uh, progressing with his baseball career after this. But we've had guys on short rest. Shea Shanneman, he pitched on short rest on Saturday. He pitched a great game. I know it it, it resulted in a loss, a 4-1 loss. But he pitched a great game. He only gave up one run in that game, I believe. He pitched six innings. Me, he was he was really really good, and he still picked up the loss. He's one and three on the year now, but that that is a bright spot. He pitched six six and two thirds, only gave up three hits, two runs, only one of them was earned, five strikeouts to three walks. That's a good outing, and if you can get more of that. Out of guides consistently. And imagine if Shea Shanneman has a full cycle of rests. there. you I don't want to say you win that game because you only scored one run, but your chances certainly increase when it comes to winning that game against Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Now this game on Wednesday against South Dakota State, it's a big one. How are you going to respond from a 21-4 loss on your home turf? I think that is a big a big turning point for this team and a big focus point. Because you never wanna you never want to lose on your home turf. Because A it's your home turf. B, it's it's kind of a pride thing as well. I mean if you're playing for the Nebraska Cornhuskers, you play at Haymarket Park, which is one of the nicer division one facilities in America. You you want to defend your home field. Now, the Jackrabbits come in at 6-12. and 12. They just split a four-game series with Northwestern State. And I know that name sounds familiar because Nebraska has played Northwestern State already this year. Now, they did sweep them in the two games that they did play. But Northwestern State put up 16 runs in one of their wins. They put up nine in a loss because the Jackrabbits put up 13. So we know the Jackrabbits can score... This is a game you have to have. And I know you heard Cam Chick say it in his postgame presser. There's 35 remaining. One game is going to define them, which is very true. A 21-4 to 4 loss is not going to define the defending Big Ten champions. But this is a game that you have to win. How do you respond? It's on your home turf. It's against a team you should beat. But then again, coming into the year, we expected super high standards from this team. And going into that Northwestern State, UT Arlington, little alternating series, you, you expected a, f- a 4 nothing clean sweep out of those two teams. You drop one to UT Arlington, 4-3. to three. Now You take three of four there. You lose to Kansas State, which is a, a game many thought you would win as well. Now, the Long Beach State series getting canceled, I think, is, is pretty important because Long Beach State is a good team. And that would have been a really good test for this Husker team, but Sam Houston and TCU obviously gave Nebraska all that they could handle. But once again, big game against South Dakota State coming up on Wednesday and then a three-game series to open a Big Ten play against a Michigan at Haymarket Park. Michigan was a team that was highly touted last year. Everybody thought that they were going to win the Big Ten title as well. Nebraska obviously proving everybody wrong in that realm coming up an hour two, Charlie McBride at 505 and then we'll have a little bit from Jeremiah Searles in a rewind segment as Hale Varsity radio will continue once again Bryce McGowan's going to the NBA draft that's the news of the day of the day in Lincoln Connor Clark here with you Hale Varsity continues after the break presented by the Nebraska lottery
6: hello listener This is Brandon Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR.
0: And now,
1: and now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Welcome back into Hail Varsity Radio. Connor Clark here with you on a Monday as we continue here into Hour 1 Spring Ball in full effect. For the Nebraska Cornhusker football team, the spring game is right around the corner in just a couple of weekends here in early April. Now, if you're a Nebraska Cornhusker fan, especially football, which I would imagine most of you who are listening are, or just a fan of the Big Ten, you know Nebraska went 3-9 and nine last season. 3-9... and nine If you look at the record on paper, by a lot of people, it could be taken with a grain of salt because of how close this Nebraska team was. We saw lots of flashes out of guys who are either transferred or in the NFL draft now, but there were flashes from guys who are still on the team. You talk about the Garrett Nelsons, you talk about the secondary. Miles Farmer. He's going to get a big shot this year. Luke Reimer. Now, I know all those guys are on the defensive end, but on the offense, you'd like to see guys step up this year in Omar Manning. Xavier Betts. Thomas Fedoni. We didn't get to see any of him last year due to an injury in a red shirt then. I mean, we I guess we saw a little bit of him because of the red shirt rule is you get to play in four games and you're able to keep your red shirt, but... How will this team and Scott Frost with his new offensive staff get it rolling this year? Because this is a high-stakes year. We said about this last year that this was going to be a high-stakes year, as in 2021, for Scott Frost. Didn't start the way you wanted it to with a loss to Illinois. You bounce back with two straight wins on the road against non-conference opponents. And then you just decimate Northwestern after losing to... Oklahoma, of course, and it's just a matter of a couple plays each game that have kept you out of the driver's seat, really, in in the winning column, at least. Now, a lot of people say, well, Nebraska, Nebraska cleans up their issues. They win the Big Ten West. I'm not going to go that far, because winning the Big Ten West is harder than it looks, even though the Big Ten West champion Iowa Hawkeyes were on the ropes here in Lincoln this past November. But the big question is, how will this team turn around? Will we see Scott Frost in the offseason of 2022-2023? How will Mark Whipple control this offense? How will Eric Shenander's defense continue to be dominant? Now, it's going to be really hard to replicate what you did on the defensive side of the ball last year, and we'll talk to Charlie McBride about this as well, from getting his defensive coordinator perspective. I mean, he coached a lot of good teams, and if you're a Husker fan, you know that he coached a lot of good teams from nineteen ninety or nineteen seventy seven rather to nineteen ninety nine. A couple of national ch- titles in there as well. But what's Casey Thompson going to look like? That's my question. And when do you decide when to name your starting quarterback? Because we saw Adrian Martinez for four years. He showed us a lot, positively and negatively. Key mistakes down the stretch of a game. Big plays at the start of a game, i.e. Northwestern this last year. Some big-time throws. You look at Oklahoma. You look at Northwestern. You look at Iowa. Or not Iowa. Purdue. There are a lot of good things that Adrian Martinez showed you, but at the end of the day, it wasn't enough to get it done because it was all in between the 20s. As an offense, you got to score the ball. And if your special teams wasn't playing well, which it wasn't last year if you're in Nebraska, you got to punch the ball in the end zone, and that's something this team has had a lot of trouble with. Now, I know we saw it in spurts. They put up 29 against Michigan. They put up 50-plus against Northwestern, which was not really expected. They gave himself a fighting chance out in East Lansing. They gave himself a fighting chance at home against Ohio State, but it just wasn't enough offensively. Your defense gave you the opportunity to win these games, and your offense wasn't enough. So how is Casey Thompson going to flip that? We saw a lot of good things that I've heard from Texas last year. A little bit of struggling, and I've talked about this before, but there are a couple of things that remind me of this 2021 Nebraska team that he did at Texas last year. They went on a six-game losing streak in the Big 12 Conference, and Casey didn't necessarily play all too well, according to the stat sheet. In a couple of those games, he threw six touchdowns on Kansas, but you should be throwing six touchdowns on Kansas. He threw six touchdowns against Oklahoma, who will be visiting Lincoln in September. That's one matchup that I'm really looking forward to. Can Casey replicate that performance against an Oklahoma team who will be down to their standards after losing Lincoln Riley, Caleb Williams, Spencer Rattler, their tight end? So how's that going to happen? How much is Whipple going to change the offense? Will Ramir Johnson... Well, he emerged himself as the clear number one. Now, honestly, the problem that Nebraska has in the locker, in the, in the running back room, I should say, not the locker room, in the running back room, is really a good problem to have because you have four guys that can carry the rock effectively. Ramir Johnson being the best out of those four guys from what we've seen. I mean, we've seen good things out of Jack Yant as well. Sevian Morrison, Marquis Stepp. Marquis Stepp is a guy that I would like to see carry the ball a little bit more this year. Now, he, he's had his injury problems, but he's a really talented back. I'd like to see him get the ball more this year. But this is the year that Ramir Johnson becomes that 1,000-yard rusher that Nebraska is so desperately seeking. You need a 1,000-yard guy on the ground in the Big Ten if you want to be successful, in my opinion. And everybody knows the Big Ten is a grounded pound, physical league. You can't do the air raid; it's not going to work. And I'm not saying you totally abandoned the pass because Mark Whipple had a really good offense at Pitt. Now, Kenny Pickett obviously is is really good talent. Not every school has that, but what you saw him do with Pitt, he could bring some of that fast paced ACC Pittsburgh offense over to the Big Ten and combine it with that slower, ground-and-pound, hard-nosed, physical, we're-going-to-meet-you-right-at-the-line-of-skirmish football. And a combination of that, that effective throwing the ball and running the ball can be really, really dangerous for the rest of the Big Ten to look out for, quite frankly. Again, you look at the Iowa game, that's a, that's a game you're up because a lot of these games that Nebraska played in last year and they lost by a score... They were coming from behind. Iowa, you were up. And I know that's a game that all of the state of Nebraska would love to have, especially after the struggles year after year against the Hawkeyes. But that's a game that you should have. I wonder how much of a competition there's going to be in the quarterback room. Logan Smothers, Chubba Purdy. How much of a shot are they going to get over the offseason? What are they going to look like in the spring game? Those are all questions that I have, and I know I threw a lot of questions at you, if you're listening. But hopefully, a lot of those will get answered with Charlie McBride coming up at 5:05 to kick off hour number two. We'll wind down hour one in just a second. This is Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now, and now back to Hill Varsity Radio. Welcome back to Hale City Radio, winding down hour one here on a Monday afternoon. Connor Clark here with you. You can tweet at me, send me a message if you like this show, if you want to chip in on some sort of topic, at C underscore Clark underscore 27. Chris Schmidt out of the office. He's out in Arizona. Elijah Herbal back at home. A little sick, but we hope he feels better soon enough as Elijah Herbal you know him, and you love him, as he's done a great job here at ESPN Lincoln as well. But today will be the first time and probably the only time I will I'll be running the ship here today on Ale Varsity Radio, but I'm glad you're here along for the ride. As we've had a lot to talk about here today, we still got another hour left ahead of us. Once again, Charlie McBride coming up to kick off hour two. Jeremiah Searles to follow him, a rewind segment with the former Husker offensive lineman. A couple of things I'm curious to ask Charlie McBride is what kind of mindset do you have going into the spring game? Because it's not it's – you're not close to the season. I mean, it's only April when the spring game will happen, and there's still a lot that you got to figure out. But what's that mindset going in? What kind of mindset do the coaches need to have? What things do they need to have figured out, if any – going into this spring game another thing I want to ask him about is well when when should a starting quarterback be decided whether that's Casey Thompson which it most likely will be Chubba Purdy Logan Smothers when will that be decided Heinrich Harburg how much of a shot will he get because that dude can throw the ball far he's got a cannon attached to his body And then, really, can the Blackshirts replace, and I say replace very lightly, with their losses on the defensive side of the ball? How are they going to deal with that? Will that make that much of a difference? Will it make a huge difference? How will this team respond to losing guys such as JoJo Doman, Cam Taylor Britt? Because those guys were rocks. And they were rock stars on this defensive Unit this past season, they did a lot. You you lose guys such as Ben Stilley as well, Damian Daniels, guys up front that caused a lot of disruption. How are you going to replace that? Maybe you don't replace it. Maybe your defense declines a little bit, but your offense goes up a little bit, which I think is is the main concern. You have to score the ball inside of the twenty yard line, the red zone which is, it's ironically named because it's the red zone. It's the sea of red, but it seems like the Huskers are allergic to scoring in the red zone. It's the red zone. You think a team with the color red, that's nicknamed the big red, should live in the red zone, right? But lots of changes coming to this Nebraska Huskers football team. Once again, they kick off their season in Ireland. On August 28th against the Northwestern Wildcats. ai don't know if I want to call it a rivalry, but I'll call it it for the sake of the show right now. A rivalry renewed across the pond. Those games are usually pretty close. This past year was an exception. I've never really seen a Nebraska-Northwestern game be that lopsided. I thought that was a game that Nebraska was really going to have to look out for. Because here come the Cats. The Cardiac Cats. But... They didn't prove to be too much of a challenge for Coach Frost. And the Nebraska Cornhuskers. We'll head to a break here in just a second. Charlie McBride at 5.05. Jeremiah Searles at 5.25 to kick off hour number two. And then I'll be back to wrap up the episode with more Husker and tournament news. We really appreciate you listening here on a Monday afternoon. This is Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
2: Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity. And I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at hailvarsity.com. Just go to hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's Hale Varsity. Dot com backslash subscribe, promo code GBR.
0: Come to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402 espn or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz.
1: Back to it is Hale Varsity Radio on a Monday going from 4 to 6 p.m. here on ESPN Lincoln. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Connor Clark here with you today as Chris Schmidt out of the office out in Arizona. But we can still roll on because we've got a lot to cover here in our two of Hale Varsity Radio. And I am pleased to be joined by legendary Defensive coordinator for the University of Nebraska, Charlie McBride, joins the show. Coach McBride, thanks so much for being here today.
7: That's good. I'm glad Chris is out in Arizona because it's warmer here and where I am than it is, <laughs> it is out there.
1: <laughs> well, it's that time of year when the temperatures just starts getting weird all over the place, right? So, I mean, yeah. it, it felt pretty good in Lincoln as well. It was it touched the 80s a little bit.
7: Well, that's good because it comes this way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it does go from <laughs> west to east. So you, you have the advantage. Yeah. You know what's coming. But let's dive into to some spring football here. And a couple of questions for you, Coach McBride, as as we get closer to the spring game. And in your coaching experience, you head to the spring mm-hmm. game. What is the coach's mindset? Because it's early in the year. You're not super close to the season how much do you have decided as a coaching staff or do you not have anything decided at all going into that spring game
7: yeah you you decide pretty much what you're going to run both on both sides of the ball and um in some cases when we had a young team we would run a couple of blitzes but we would actually run against them in practice you know, so it wasn't you know, so at least you know they offense knew kind of what they what was coming, and we they didn't usually have any any tricks on offense, so we you know we kind of coordinated it, we decided what kind of plays we're gonna see um probably they'll probably run a lot of the same stuff you've seen before, and some of the stuff the new stuff both ways on both sides they're gonna they won't show it right away.
1: Now, with a primarily new offensive staff here with Nebraska, you have the additions of Mark Whipple and a couple of other staff additions.
3: Mm-hmm. How much
1: of a change can you see this early on the, in the spring? Because Mark Whipple comes from a Pittsburgh team that was pass, pass, pass. But obviously, you know in the Big Ten Conference, it's a lot of physical mm-hmm. ground games. So how much of a change are we expecting to see here from this offense with this new offensive coordinator, and Mark Whipple, and the, the staff in general?
7: I think you'll see some of the things that you know that he he may have put in uh you're gonna see probably more deep balls than you've seen before i mean they may they may throw some deep balls and they know that he he does you know he he, he gets in the vertical game pretty good so some of those some of those receivers will get some work and i I would guess that they'll be pretty simple with their offensive running um You know, they probably aren't going to mess with the quarterbacks too much in the spring game. They'll probably protect them a little bit. They usually do and put them in a green shirt or, you know, a different colored jersey. And uh, in some cases, they'll switch teams. Usually, What we have done is play uh, one and I guess it was usually one and three against two and four and uh, kind of switch it around. Sometimes the
1: quarterbacks will switch.
7: But uh, they'll have that all personally all just all figured out before the game.
1: Coach Charlie McBride is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio, former defensive coordinator for the Nebraska Cornhuskers. And you mentioned quarterbacks. And we have a new face in town in Casey Thompson as well as Chubba Purdy and then a couple of familiar names in Logan Smothers and Heinrich Harburg. How much of a competition do you expect to see here? Because Casey comes in as really the clear favorite to get that starting job but how much of a chance of your Scott Frost do you want to give Chubba Purdy and Logan Smothers
7: well you're gonna give them you're gonna give them some 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 good stuff I mean it's not gonna all be uh, hidden they're gonna want to see him you know play and get, when there's people in the stands and sometimes guys play a lot different and then you know they just play better sometimes when you're really playing a real a real game rather than just Know, scrimmage in practice and uh, sometimes guys will surprise you especially some of the younger guys uh, so they'll they'll have it pretty well pinned down and and I would guess that the uh, party probably isn't with it the injury that he's had I don't I don't know how much they'll use him uh, you know in the spring game <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't know enough personally of, you know, where he stands physically. But I would guess they're not going to take a lot of chances with him.
1: Charlie McBride is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Let's move over to the defensive side of the ball. And the defensive unit for this Nebraska Cornhusker team was really the strength throughout the 2021 season. You lose guys such as Cam Taylor Britt, Jojo Doman, two staples of that defensive unit from a season ago. How do you go about, if you're Eric Shenander, the defensive coordinator now, trying to, quote-unquote, fill the shoes? Because those are big shoes to fill, and the performance that the defense was playing at was a really high level, and it's hard to match that in back-to-back seasons.
7: Well, they set a standard, and those guys that are coming up know what the standard is. And then, and they, they'll, they'll, be, they'll play well. I, I think they really will. And... Uh, Sometimes you, you you know guys are better at doing the certain things, uh, and you try to capitalize on that whether it's blitzing or whether it's covering or whatever the whatever the case is. And uh, that those the things that you want to see are pretty much the basic stuff. Uh, you pretty much know who the better blitzers are, or who the from practice, from just a few days that they've had. They probably know a little bit. You know about that, uh, and they'll and they'll find out a little more about it in preseason. But uh, I think the basic stuff, as far as drops with uh, you know, with the uh, 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 kids that are changing their 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 zone drops, how they cover things like that, they'll really be pay attention to to that. And then up front, what guys have improved as far as you know their pass rush and uh, just getting off of blocks and things like that. That Those, those things, the simple things, are the, are the things you really want to, you, know, z- you know, zone in on and, and try to really be able to evaluate a lot, all the linemen on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, they'll, their technique will be critical, how they picked up that stuff and, and terminology. And if there is any... Uh, the line calls or anything like that that they have put in in the spring they'll they'll sure want to want to see those
1: now we go back in time here as Oklahoma is set to take on Nebraska in Memorial Stadium take us through your mind about what was it like preparing for those Oklahoma games as a defensive unit did you guys get more fired up for that contest or what was that like facing the Sooners
7: well, yeah, we did. It was, a, you know, the one thing about it is it wasn't a hate rivalry really with, uh, with the players. I don't know how the fans were, but it was a <laughs> respectful rivalry. We knew we, we were going to get in a, a, a game against a great team. And they did the same thing, I think, in most cases. But, uh, you know, getting ready for the game, I don't think there were a whole lot of secrets being run. The thing we did we're not able to do is usually we're not able to, uh, you know, to be able to have a quarterback like they had usually with running the football uh, on our scout team. So you have to be careful what you're doing at the beginning of the game till they get in to the real speed of what it really is like. Uh, it, was, it was important. One of our things that we did is on Wednesdays we had a, we had a, a, a kind of a scrimmage uh, we, where we protected the players. We didn't throw at anybody. We didn't cut any blockers. We didn't throw anybody on the ground. We just wrapped them up, you know, full speed. I mean, it was it was a full-speed scrimmage. But we did that to get some game speed during the week. And uh, those are the things with our quarterbacks, especially because they were so good at running options. Uh, and they had – Great speed. I mean, um, you know, Charles Thompson was maybe the best quarterback we, as far as quickness and speed and stuff that uh, they, you know, that that we played against in Oklahoma. I think a lot of people don't realize that, but he was he was tough duty. I mean, he could really go, and and those are the things you can't cover in practice. So you got to be careful at the beginning of the game, you know, what what you're doing and the players have to really really concentrate especially on the edges uh, you know where they're coming outside with the option and and things like that because they're going to have to sometimes play a block in front of the quarterback and so those are the things you kind of work on in practice
1: charlie mcbride is with us here on hail varsity radio and as scott frost goes into his fifth season as the head coach of the nebraska Cornhuskers here in 2022 We described last year as the same as this year. It's really a make-or-break deal for Scott, and he's coming back. He's kind of the long-lost son, obviously, as you know, winning a couple of national championships. And what is this year going to mean for Scott ultimately to keep his job around because standards in Lincoln have been high for as long as anybody can remember. If he doesn't meet those standards, it's not going to end greatly for scott frost so would you agree with the statement that this is really the make or break year for scott frost
7: well i think with him too it's a make or break year i mean it isn't only with the fans and everything i think he realizes that and he's taken a big step by you know changing a lot of things and uh but most 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 schools will will do some of that uh, i know when i was coaching it was uh, the assistants were the first guys to go if things weren't going too good. And it basically saved the head coach's job a little bit. But uh, he hired some very good people. I mean, and now he's, you know, he's got uh, uh, a special teams coach and, and Bill Bush. And I have, I'm familiar with Bill because he was a graduate assistant for us when I was there and he's a heck of a football coach and he's been around and he knows a lot of, he's picked up a lot of things where he's been. So he will be a real plus uh, to the staff. And I, I think that, uh, you know, you'll see a better special teams group out there uh, than you have, but uh, it, you know, the whole, the whole thing has to fit. And it seems to me from what I can just read and, and hear from people that the coaches are getting along well. And uh, you know, it's they're really working together good, and that's really important because uh, learning each other and what each other likes in games and so forth is is really important. And a lot of it starts in meetings. You know what you, you know. Some guys favor certain things. Well, you just learn about you know in your mind, and you know that's where I depended a lot on our guys. The guys in the press box are so important; it's unbelievable. I mean, uh, uh, they see the game better. Uh, we had each 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 coach on the team our, on our defense staff was responsible for an area, and you figure, well, Tony Samuels coached the outside guy, so he was responsible for the outside plays, and George Darlington was our secondary coach; he was responsible for the the half and. And I think, well, Craig or Steele or whoever the linebacker coach was and myself were the inside guys, kind of. And so you had, you know, guys that really knew that part of the game. They studied all of it, but they, they you know, so during the game, uh, Tony Samuels would, you know, yell down if I'm running up front or something, he might say, run a, this inline stunt with it that will, you know, he thinks it'll work. So I'd put that in there. Uh, you know and add it into what we what we've uh, what we've been doing so you know it isn't it, it it's just a matter of it's a good test the spring game is a good test for coaches working together sideline stuff uh, how they're going to work it on the sidelines and so it's not only done on the field you have to do it you know among yourselves as to how you're going to run your game as it goes as it goes on with the coaches and the players
1: Charlie McBride is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio and Coach McBride you mentioned special teams how important is that phase of the game to you and how much of an effect could it have on this Nebraska team heading into 2022 about a minute and a half here
7: well it, 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 those people that remember the Michigan State game you know you have somebody that you know, makes a mistake, uh, and the special teams, you know, he kicked the ball on the wrong side of the field, and everybody's going over on that side to cover. They kick it to a kid on the other side of the field, and he had, he had just straight field in front of him. So big mistakes are probably the things you want to really be sure that in the past that have happened that aren't going to happen. And you work on those things. That If you're having the, if you're having the punter kick it on the, out of bounds, you'll work on that. If you have it and kicking it short of the goal line, you work on that. And, and whether it's right or left or those things are important, uh, you know, to work on. And Bill is very, very familiar with a lot of that stuff. And, uh, you know, and he's a pretty demanding coach. So I would, I would think that the special teams are, you know, they're, there's, they're the same part of, of the game as offense and defense and people just, don't want to realize that but because it's not as run as much. But it's important that on that you know during the game for your condition set it up.
1: Well that's Coach Charlie McBride with us. Charlie, thanks so much for joining us here today. Okay. Great insight as always and we hope to talk okay. to you soon. Enjoy the warm weather.
7: I will. Okay. Thank you for having me.
1: Thank you. That's Coach Charlie McBride there on Hale Varsity Radio. Lots of great stuff from him as we roll on an hour or two. Jeremiah Searles is up next here on Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
6: Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com Just go to hailvarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity That's Hailvarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR.
0: And we're back. Fellas, if we could listen to the radio listen on Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
8: Yes!
0: That's awesome!
2: Welcome to it. It's Tower 2, Hale Varsity Radio on the road here at PBA Boys State Basketball Semis tonight as Miller North top-ranked, uh, seeking back-to-back championships, uh, Gretna in their way, tip-off at 6 right here on ESPN Lincoln with Coach Jeff Smith and myself, Elijah Herbal standing by. We uh, are going to run down uh, Coach Tim Bereta here towards the end of the show from Lincoln Southwest. The girls playing for another title and uh, also here from Gary Barnett, our favorite sideline man and uh, longtime NFLer and Husker, Jeremiah Searles with us at Searles71 underscore H-S-K-R. Searles, I'm on a Red Bull at about seven Mountain Dews. How are you?
8: I'm doing well, my friend. I just got back from Wisconsin's Pro Day yesterday and get to hang out for about a week here before I head up to Minneapolis for the Gopher Pro Day next week.
2: So lay this out for me, man. Who you? Who you? Supporting who are you checking out? I know Nebraska's pro days around the corner. We'll get to Austin Allen's combine. I know you were up in Indy as well, but tell us a little bit about uh, your uh, your roadie uh, from Minnesota and, and your roadie. You just got back from from Mankato.
8: Yeah, so uh, I have two clients up there that played for the Badgers last year. Josh Elsener, their left guard, first team All Big Ten, and then their fullback John Chanel, brother of the crazy linebacker Leo Chanel. Um, uh, so those two guys had their pro days yesterday. We met with uh, Herbig, the outside linebacker for them. That'll be coming out next year. I'm um, chance to get after him, really good player. And so got a left tackle up from uh, Minnesota. I got a left tackle out of Fargo. Austin Allen, obviously out of Nebraska here. And then we got a long snapper out of uh, South Dakota State and a center out of Utah State. So I'm doing the circuit this week, this month, I'm hitting all those pro days, making sure I'm there, supporting my guys, anything they need, and then getting to jump on recruiting for next year
2: jeremiah searles with us sale varsity radio so searles when it when, when push comes to shove and you got to take care of some folks what do you do for dinner i ask this because there's a twitter revolt towards your your, your friend will compton and where he took taylor for for breakfast today in lincoln
8: yeah, I mean, I mean, Mike. If I'm in Lincoln, there's there's only a couple spots you can go for breakfast. I mean, number one is Virginia's Cafe over there next to the old radio station. Yes, know, like that's a, that's a that's just an oldie but a goodie. And then number two, you got to go to I would say probably Green Gateau. I think those two those two spots in Lincoln for breakfast slash brunch, um, they're very different. <laughs> one is apples, <laughs> oranges, but they're both very good. I'll um, go there. But if we're going out to dinner for sure, I'm definitely we're hitting up some type of steakhouse. Or what we did when I took all of my offensive linemen out is we went to a Brazilian steakhouse, a little bit more bang for my buck. They don't make any money off of our group.
2: Okay, there you go. But when you took your guys out from Wisconsin, do you set a limit or do you just let them get after it?
8: That's why. That's why I try and go to like the Fogo de Chao's or the the Rodizio Grills or whatever it is. They just keep bringing around meat so you don't want it anymore. One price. It's like a it's like a higher class buffet.
2: <laughs> that's pretty good. Searle's doing the math on that. Uh, okay, I want to talk uh, spring football. I know you've been away, but they're going to be a hitting and pumping pads tomorrow. Uh, and good for you if you're going uh, as a former player. I'm interested on, on the offensive line. Coach Frost has said a couple of things, and, and he made a change on the offensive line. We're big Greg Austin guys, but I think Raiola can, can do some nice things. And I wanted your take on on the line specifically, the fact that they're firing off the football now, and that's something that, he, that he's wanted. I'm paraphrasing what Scott said in his presser this week. What did you witness? What did you see from the O-line last year? And was was physicality an issue with them?
8: You know, I don't think it was necessarily an issue. I think that physicality across the whole in college football with the RPO system has taken a step back. Um, when you're talking about, hey, you can't be downfield or, hey, on the backside of this run play slash pass play you got to maybe protect a little bit too so it takes the stinger away uh, for some guys and you're seeing it with teams like Oklahoma you're seeing it with teams like uh, Texas right I mean I think that from what I've been hearing is we're getting away from that and a little bit more down to the downhill vertical run game which is we've got to fire off the ball you got to get the downs move the downs into the backers and you know, I'm hearing good things out of that. And so it's really, I'm sure the last few weeks of practice or a few weeks of practice where you're running around out there in your underwear is great. But once you put the pads on tomorrow, you start seeing kind of who goes away and who starts rising to the top and who can actually be contributors or presenters here. That pads get put on and who can actually do what's necessary to move a grown man from point A to point B against his will.
2: Cyril's, uh well put with moving away from the RPO, more under center. You can, you can still spread out. You can still be tempo. Uh, what do you think of the quarterback situation Nebraska has?
8: No, I'm really excited to watch both these young quarterbacks come in, or I guess they their kids. Um, and, and Casey Thompson and Tilo Purdy. you know, I think competition is great. I think that everything I've been reading and hearing from Casey Thompson is just a, how much of a good leader and how much he's really kind of taken that charge on and put it on his own shoulders. And, you know, that's something that – leadership is earned not given and so I think he's been earning it through his summer workouts and I heard nothing but glowing things about him and I've heard the same thing about Chello. Um, so, you know I think both these guys are going to get fair shakes and as always you kind of set the groundwork for the fall camp during spring ball and then you know, obviously you compete for your starting job in, in fall camp but if you have yourself a good spring you earn more reps in camp and you know it's just going to kind of be who's the hot hand come September and who can lead this team to win. But I think we have good options there, and I'm excited to watch these guys both start growing.
2: Jeremiah Searles with us a few minutes here. Hale Varsity Radio back from his uh, Madison tour. And uh, we'll be headed to Minneapolis. And Searles, folks, if, if they don't know, I'm sure they can check out your Twitter, but uh, just to kind of reset uh, what, what you're doing now, obviously the broadcasting thing, yes, but uh what got you kind of cranked into agency work because you're doing a great job with all the kids you're representing
8: well i appreciate that yeah for me no i finished up a six-year career in the nfl and was kind of like now what um broadcasting is great but you know i wanted to use <clears throat> what i say I have a phd in football right i got six years post grad in football what do you do with it well you coach but i don't really want to move my family every five years in a different city every time so know i love the mentorship and the keep teaching piece of football and this gives me a chance to do that we signed four linemen this year so we have a good group put together in our agency and it allows me to kind of be more hands-on and i get to select the kids i want to work with and get a chance to stay around both college and the nfl and it's been really really fun and really enjoyable so far
2: what stuck out about austin allen obviously he's a husker but uh uh, a, a tight end and uh, talk to me about Austin and what'd you think of Indy for him?
8: Yeah. So, I mean, Austin, I mean, obviously I've watched every snap of Austin Allen film for the last four years. And I was blown away that by, he didn't have a ton of like guys coming after him um, when we were, we were recruiting him. And I was like, man, we're going to steal one here, boys. And we have just been <laughs> super thankful that he chose to work with us. And, you know, it started with working to get him a PA invite, got him the NFL PA bowl. He went there and absolutely had a great week played himself into a combine invite and he goes to the combine and yeah, one like fawns over the forty times and he had a good forty time. It wasn't great. But you know what he was amazing at? His agility drills are incredible. Seven flat L drill, which ranked number one in all tight ends. He had a four one two pro agility, which ranked second in tight ends. And then his L Drill actually held up to be number three overall between all tight ends and receivers. And so NFL teams that look at him and go, ah, 6'8", 250, 255 pounds, like can he bend, can he move? He answered a ton of those questions, those agility drills, and he had such great natural hands running through the gauntlet drills. And he just – he really had a really solid showing, and I think he helped himself and he moved the needle, right? And so all you need is one team to fall in love with him or you need one team to get afraid that the teams drafting behind them are going to fall in love with him and take him. So – you know, I think that there's a lot of buzz um, leaving the combine for him and excited to see what he can do at Pro Day here.
3: Jeremiah Searles with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Searles, is there anything through the, the pre draft process, whether it be on field drills at the combine, whether it be the, the interviews, is there anything that the average fan sitting at home watching these Huskers might not get to see, but actually weighs pretty heavily into an NFL team's decision? Just something that, that the average fan might not think about?
8: I mean, so the average fan. you don't, the thing that is so stressful about the combine is not the on-field workouts. It's not the physical performance. It's the mental fatigue that these kids go through at the combine. I mean, guys are sitting in hospitals for eight to nine hours, two days before they work out because they need to have MRI, one MRI. And, um, Austin actually I get moved to another hospital because the MRI machine broke, and then all of a sudden you haven't eaten and then you're tired, and then you go right into formal interviews, right? We have to be on and firing, and teams are trying to catch you off guard. And the combine physically, yes, is a test, but it's just as much a test mentally of, hey, can we wear you out mentally? Can we break you down and then have you still go perform at an extremely high level physically on the field? And, you know, I think that that's a huge piece as to the evaluation for what these kids can do. And that's not something everyone gets to see uh, on the outside world, but it's definitely something that has internal discussions on the, on the inside.
2: Cyril's uh, a thought with what you can share. Uh, was there, you mentioned that Austin moved the needle with his performance. Was there a lot of reaction you got from, from front offices in the NFL after what he did?
8: You know, a lot of the, the reaction was more along the lines of, like, yeah, we we knew he could run. We knew he can catch the ball. We were just more concerned, like, can he bend? Because Nebraska doesn't have a super complex route tree for tight ends. Like, they just don't. Right? Like, Trey McBride, the number one tight end at CSU, like, he runs every route on the field because he was their entire offense. So, I mean, Austin Allen ran a lot of corners. He ran a lot of seams. And he kind of ran a lot of, like, just turnaround hit drops. He wasn't able to put on his full range, And he went down and worked with Anquan Bolden down at XPE in Florida. And he really worked on his routes. And so for him, it was a lot of, they knew what he could do, but there were some question marks of what can you do based off of just lack of film. And I think when you compare the film of what he's been able to show in Nebraska with the combine workout, I really think that's what moved the needle for him because it checked a lot of boxes that teams had questions on.
2: Going to go to the NFL. Your take on Russell to Denver?
8: Oh man, AFC West. I will be glued to the afus watching that. Especially now with Khalil Mack getting traded to the Chargers. Right. I mean, this, that, mm-hmm. that division is just loaded with. That's going to be some incredible games. But I mean, anytime you sign a, a quarterback the caliber of Russell Wilson, you put yourself in contention for the playoffs every year.
2: If you're Seattle, do you draft? Do you work with Locke? Do you have any answer?
8: I don't know. If you you don't leave. You don't let Russell Wilson walk out the door unless you have a really serious plan for what you're about to do. So, very curious to see what they do. Drew Locke is absolutely not the answer. He is horrendous. So, I hope that they have some type of draft guy that they're looking at a trade up or see what's going to be there whenever they pick because you got to do something quick here. But I also don't think we haven't seen the last of uh, um, franchise quarterbacks getting traded around the league
2: Promo code GBR for ten dollars off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR.
0: And now, and
3: now back to Hail Varsity Radio. Searles, so, uh, I don't want to jump ahead of you here, Schmitty, but I heard the Drew Locke slander. There, and as a Broncos fan, I can't disagree. He's not up to snuff as an NFL quarterback. But could you see the Seahawks doing some sort of stopgap thing for a year with Drew Locke when you look at some of the quarterbacks coming down the pipe in, in college football with uh, Bryce Young, you got CJ Stroud, just all this talent and quarterback. And then you look at the quarterbacks this year and it doesn't seem up to snuff. Is that a, a strategy that an NFL team could actually pull off successfully to say, hey, we don't like the quarterbacks this year, but let's look a little bit down the road. Or do you have to look at this current year?
8: You know, that really depends on what they want to do with some of their free agents, right? I mean, you've got got really good receivers in Lockett and Metcalf, and I mean, it's like, do we waste a year of these guys? That's the question you have to ask yourself as a front office guy is are we willing to waste a year of these receivers where we might not be able to sign them back at free agency? Or do we try and find a, a Ryan Fitzpatrick as a stopgap, right? There's a lot better options out there than through lock i think that if that's the route they go you'll see them sign a veteran like tyrod taylor or you know taylor heineke you're someone that's played some good football recently and can you think can go out there win you seven eight games and then you put some pieces around and maybe your 10 win team and i think i think seattle's too good of a team right now to just like a hey, tank for whatever we're going to do next year they have too much talent around them
2: Wentz to Washington. Thumbs up on that. What's the what? What do you say about about Carson? I I don't think he was awful in Indy, but wasn't as good as I guess he needed to be.
8: He's the poor man's Phillip Rivers. I mean, that's just what he is. I mean, I feel bad for him. He keeps keeps getting traded around like a leper. But you know, I think he's a solid <laughs> he's a solid stopgap quarterback. He's never going to win you. He's not the Carson Wentz that took the Eagles to the playoffs before he got hurt. You know, on that Super Bowl run year, he's just never really come back. But, again, he, we talk about the stop gaps, right? I think that's a team that you look at, and they felt like with the defense that they have, they're really close. And Carson could be a missing piece with that, and they want to go compete against Dallas every year in that division.
2: Jimmy G, is he on his way out into San Francisco, try and lure Brady for one more year out of retirement? No, you can't bring
8: Brady in if you draft Trey Lance number three overall, right? I, mean, you I want don't to think
2: defense, so either. I'm just – that's that's floating out there, Searles. I know it is. I know it is. If you're if, I, if I'm
8: John Lynch over at the 49ers, I'm going, you know what? We drafted this kid three overall. He had some decent showings last year. Like, I think that you maybe keep Jimmy, Jimmy through training camp, let those two battle it out. And then unless Jimmy has some crazy roster bonus or something, maybe you try and move him right before season
3: throw's so last thought here, about 30 seconds. So, and with the last thought, I want to go back to the to the the combine. And it didn't really fit with our earlier conversation, but I want to get your take on it. Jordan Davis from Georgia, 343 pounds, running 4.78. Would that strike fear into your heart as an offensive lineman?
8: No, I'm glad I don't play in the league anymore and I don't have to block those animals. So, yeah, I'm pretty happy, but he's an absolute freak show.
2: 478 at 340 is not not normal, man. That's that's crazy. 10-1 one, one uh, he'll go extremely high. Yeah, 10-foot broad jump. I know. I mean, that's it's insane. That, that's Elijah and Searles' numbers, man. Searles, no be way. good. <laughs> Best to you and your family. Uh, have a good trip to Minnesota. <laughs> Sounds good. Appreciate you guys. Go be great.
1: That's Jeremiah Searles on Hale Varsity Radio in the Rewind segment. Always great stuff from Jeremiah Searles, and you could hear in that rewind segment a lot of NFL free agency talk and off-season talk, and some more news came out today. Matt Ryan, he's on his way to Indianapolis. They talked about Carson Wentz, who's the former Indy quarterback now in Washington. It'll be interesting to see what the Washington Commanders look like this year. Almost called them the football team. That's not their name anymore. They're the Commanders. We've got Russell Wilson in Denver. We've got Deshaun Watson wanting a trade to Cleveland. Where does that leave Baker Mayfield? That's a big question. Aaron Rodgers going back to Green Bay as a Bear fan myself. Not too happy about that news, but Devontae Adams is not coming back, so there's a silver lining for you Bear fans out there. And then, obviously, really the—I don't know if it's the biggest news, but it's the biggest news— Tom Brady coming out of retirement. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that I totally saw that coming. I thought when he retired, he was done for good. But he announced it on Selection Sunday, so this is a week and a day ago. And he's coming back for at least one more year with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. My thought on it is that if he ends up winning this year, then he'll be done for good. I think he wants to go out a winner. Not that he hasn't won at all in his career. He's probably done enough winning for the rest of us, NFL fans and teams. But he wants he wants another Super Bowl. I know he was very dissatisfied with how their season ended. They almost pulled off the comeback against the eventual Super Bowl champion, L.A. Rams. And good for Matthew Stafford, spending all that time in Detroit and then going out to L.A. winning a Super Bowl in year one. Good for him. And speaking of the Rams... They just got Allen Robinson as well. So they got Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson. Now, I know Allen Robinson has been stuck with subpar quarterbacks over the years with Jacksonville and Chicago. But with him getting the rock from Matthew Stafford, now obviously he won't be the number one target because of Cooper Cup there. But I think he could have a really good season. In 2019, 2020... Those two years combined, Allen Robinson had 200 catches in an offense with the Chicago Bears that was not very good. And I don't want to slander my own team here, but let's just face it, the the Chicago Bears offense was not very good. Mitchell Trubisky was, oh, I mean, as more information comes out, it sounds like he was not put in a good situation at all for him to succeed. So it's remarkable that he had 200 catches in two years. He had 98 in 2019 and then 102 in 2020. So him on the the Rams makes that offense that much more dangerous. It'll be interesting to see how the AFC West develops. Khalil Mack to the Chargers. Obviously, you already have Justin Herbert there. The Las Vegas Raiders are just getting better. The Denver Broncos are in the mix now. Everybody was saying they're a quarterback away from being a really good team. Well, is that true this year? That'll be a question that'll, that'll be answered. And then obviously you have the Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Andy Reid. That team's not going anywhere anytime soon. So that that division is going to be a lot of fun to watch. It's going to be the AFC West, and the NFC West is usually pretty good but the afc west definitely takes the cake for the best division in football heading into th- 2022 now were you a fan of brady breaking his own news on selection sunday literally like 15 minutes after the brackets came out but i'll sit here and say probably not now look i i'm not like most people i don't dislike brady I did for a little bit there when he was with the Patriots. Probably like seven years ago around the deflate gate. But other than that, I've never really disliked Brady. I I still don't dislike Brady. But I... Eh, not the greatest timing there, Tom, on that. On your own announcement. With a selection Sunday for the first normal tournament in three years. But that's just my two cents on it. You can let us know. We'll wind down Hailvar City on a Monday. We heard Charlie McBride. We heard Jeremiah Searles. You'll hear more of me after the break. This is Hailvar City Radio. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery right here on ESPN Lincoln. miss us
3: come here brother give me a hug bring it in for the real thing
0: we're on call for you catch the podcast at hailvarsity.com the ESPN Lincoln app or download them on iTunes saddle up partner back to hail varsity radio
1: wind down hail varsity radio on a Monday Connor Clark here with bringing you the entire show today Chris Schmidt out in Arizona Elijah Herbal, a little under the weather, but other than that, all is good here in our ESPN studios with Hale Varsity Radio. We talked about a lot today. Talked about college basketball, talked about Bryce McGowan's going to the NBA. We talked spring football with Charlie McBride. We talked Husker Baseball. We had a rewind segment with Jeremiah Searles. And let's round out the episode. Let's talk women's basketball. First-round exit for the Huskers this year, but a lot to be proud of when this team took the floor. They lost to Gonzaga, the 9 seed. It was the 8-9 game. They lost 68-55 to in that first-round matchup out in Louisville, Kentucky. But overall, a really good season for Amy Williams and company. 24-9, 11-7 in the Big Ten, 16-2 at Pinnacle Bank Arena. You had wins over top 10 teams, such as Indiana, twice over Michigan, one of them being in the Big Ten tournament. Now, you got swept by a really good Iowa team. But Iowa was bested by the other team in Nebraska, which is Creighton, the 10th seed in the women's tournament. So the Blue Jays are moving on. But Amy Williams and her squad, nothing to hang their heads about. and this And this team is young. So they're going to be a team to watch next year. Jazz Shelley. Alexis Markowski. Allison Widener. Whitney Brown played a big role later in this year. When they needed bodies on the court. Kendall Moriarty. She played quality minutes when she was in. Izzy born? She's a, a basically a household name at this point. A big loss is going to be Sam Hybe. We'll see if she comes back with a COVID year. But... There's a lot to like about this Nebraska Husker team, and I think they will be a really, really good force next year and one to, one to be reckoned with, that is for sure. Amy Williams is doing a better and better job each year that she's here in the Star City. But that's all we got for women's basketball. Once again, the spring game coming up here in just a couple of weeks. Husker Baseball back in action on Wednesday. Husker Softball back in action on Wednesday as well. Looking for win number five in a row as they play host to the 20-6 and six Stanford Cardinal. That game was moved from Tuesday afternoon to Wednesday due to potential rain in the forecast tomorrow here in Lincoln. But let's play two. Go see softball, and then once that's finished, because I believe softball starts at 5 Or they moved it to 4 p.m. tomorrow. And then baseball starts at 6.35. So if you're looking for something to do tomorrow, there's two things right there after the work day. Or the school day. Or whatever day you may have. But there's something right there. Go support your Huskers as well. We really like to thank you tuning in to this edition of Hail Varsity Radio. My name's Connor Clark bringing you from 4 to 6 p.m. We'll be back tomorrow... Hopefully, with Elijah Herbel back in studio, Chris Schmidt will still be in Arizona. But bringing to you all the action from Hale Varsity Radio once again. Like to thank you so much for tuning in. This is Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Have a great rest of your Monday evening.
3: A hood media
0: production.